Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Sometimes what the Lord's calling us to do is to, yes, pray that God would meet that need, but to identify, hey, do I have something that I can use to help that person? Rather than thinking, okay, Lord, just save their broken marriage. I'm not sure what's going on there. That seems hard. Okay, there you go. Lord, sometimes saying, no, 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 I want to use you. You go ask a question. You say, how, what's going on? Can we help? Can we pray for you? And you think, I don't know how to do this, but I'm willing to get together with you. We're willing to cry with you and pray with you. And we think, okay, maybe that is part of the resources that God intends to use to meet that need. Open God, oh my soul. God can, and sometimes does, work supernaturally to meet a need or provide healing. But as Pastor Ricky challenges us to ask in today's message, how often do you pray for someone in need knowing full well that you have the resources to help them? Keep on praying, that's good. But ask yourself if God might want to use you to facilitate that miracle in someone's life. As a member of His church, a physical extension of Christ in this world, you need to be open to act when God gives you the opportunity. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts, chapter 3, as he continues his message, Jesus at Work in a Miracle. We were not just lame, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and yet Jesus stopped for us, and he made us alive together with him. Listen, we are all lame people that have gone from lameness to leaping by the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, that's our story, that's our testimony. And so we should see the needs around us, but we should be even more aware of the power of Jesus to meet those needs than we are of the needs, right? We see the needs, we acknowledge them, move toward them, but we know and have confidence that Jesus has the power to make a difference. Third section, last section, this work happened to point to Jesus. Verse eight, I love this language, and leaping up, I just think, maybe you wanna take this a little slow, you know? I mean, you haven't walked in 40 years, so let's just pace yourself, buddy. And he sees, like, the life come back into his legs, and he jumps up like a Russian Cossack dancer, right? He is, like, leaping up. He stood and began to walk, I love this, and enters the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now see, what's awesome about this story is this, this didn't happen like everybody's, oh, what's gonna happen? This is almost people are coming in and out of the temple. This man's there. They stop. This miracle happens in this, like, you know, side, side of, the, of the entrance. And all of a sudden, this guy, I mean, the first thing you would notice is this guy starts whooping and yelling and singing whatever psalms he can remember. And so Peter and John are, I guess they, it sounds like they just continued into prayer. So they, they're just going into prayer. And this guy is like, like a Russian Cossack dancer dancing all around them and yelling and whooping. And people are first thinking, what is with that guy and then when they see him, they go, is, is that the guy from the front? Listen, this guy, he's been lame. He's about 40 years old. He's been lame his whole life. They've seen him. 
day after day, week after week, year after year, they know that guy. And they see that guy walking and leaping and praising God, and they are amazed. Now, what is the point of this miracle? Why, in a sense, why did God choose to give this miraculous healing there? He did it to point people to Jesus. And what I love is that God does this miracle in a way that would un, like unmistakably testify to the power of Jesus. Because the miracle is done in the name of Jesus, but notice that word leaping that I was drawing attention to. That word leaping echoes a passage in the Hebrew scriptures from Isaiah 35. So Isaiah 35 is all about when God returns as king and makes all the world right, right? He sets right all of the brokenness of the world. Isaiah 35, six says this, then when God returns, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. That word leaping here is the exact same quote as the Hebrew, Old, I mean, the, the Greek Old Testament, the same word leaping. So they would have thought, man, that guy is jumping around like a, like a deer and think, that's like Isaiah 35. That's what it said would happen. That's what the scripture said would happen when God comes and he reigns as king and the kingdom of God begins to dawn in the world. This is the kind of thing that is supposed to happen. And how does it come? How is the kingdom of God coming and advancing into the world through the name and power of Jesus? See, this miracle is done. This is what we have to, this is, so, so important, because Christians get off in all kinds of crazy directions when it comes to the miraculous. Often, sometimes, we, we do the opposite of what God would have us do when he works in a miraculous way, in that we, ident we, like, we focus on the miracle, like, wow, the miracle, oh my gosh, or the person that did the miracle, or prayed for the person that got healed. It's all about the miracle, the miracle, the miracle. No, 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 the point is not the miracle. The point is the Savior who performed the miracle. The point is the power of Jesus that performed the miracle. And sometimes we end up more in love with like miraculous stuff than we are with the one who does the miraculous, right? And so this is, this is so important. I know it's like, okay, really with the belabor this? Yes, the work happened to point to Jesus. That's the point of all of this. See, one of the patterns you see in the book of Acts is that as the message of the gospel advances into a new group or area, it's often accompanied by something miraculous that testifies to its authority. And I've talked to missionaries who often describe miraculous things happening as the gospel's going forward in a new kind of area or region or city, or there's a gospel renewal that's coming to a long dead area, like the Great Awakenings in the United States. And we can think, oh man, I wish, I wish we could see that. I wish there was more of that. But what we see in the pattern of Acts is that often, the, the Spirit's most notable and miraculous work happens as the gospel is advancing to draw attention to the gospel, right? It's a, a sign to say, look at Jesus, right? Sometimes we're like, well, we just want the signs. No, 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 the point of the sign is to look at Jesus. Now, should we pray for these things? Should we ask for more? Should we ask that God will bring another awakening to the United States to do miraculous things and draw our attention to, to Jesus? Yes, absolutely. But we have to remember the point is Jesus. The emphasis when God does something miraculous is that it's meant to be a glimpse of Jesus' kingdom and to direct our attention to Jesus as king. Now, big qualification. What if we pray and nothing happens, right? 
What if we ask God and nothing seems to happen? That's where the rest of Acts and the New Testament help us and help inform us here. Because sometimes it'd be easy to say, like, okay, well, we prayed for that. You know, that guy lost his job or whatever, and that person finds themselves in need. We prayed for them. They didn't get a job, so, oh, well. No, the, the pattern of Acts and the whole New Testament is that often God uses his people to meet the very needs that his people see. In other words, when we see like Jesus, we see that there are needs, we ask that God would meet them, and sometimes we are the answer to our own prayers. In other words, our resources are included in God's resources. Sometimes we see a need, sometimes what the Lord's calling us to do is to, yes, pray that God would meet that need, but to identify, hey, do I have something that I can use to help that person? Rather than thinking, okay, Lord, just save their broken marriage. I'm not sure what's going on there. That seems hard. Okay, there you go. Lord, sometimes saying, no, 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 I want to use you. You go ask a question. You say, how, what's going on? Can we help? Can we pray for you? And you think, I don't know how to do this, but I'm willing to get together with you. We're willing to cry with you and pray with you. And we think, okay, maybe that is part of the resources that God intends to use to meet that need. You see, the pattern of the early church is in Acts 4. They will sacrifice to meet the needs of the people around them. So they weren't just praying, Lord, please help the poor people among us, please. No, they were saying, Lord, please help the poor people among us, and I have some extra stuff I'm going to give. And I don't have any extra, but I'm still going to give, right? That was the pattern of the early church. Listen, it is miraculous when God moves in a powerful, unusual way that draws attention to Jesus as king and his coming kingdom. But it is also miraculous when God changes the hearts of his people so that they, in radical acts of self-giving love, live in a contrary way to the whole world around them. Right? Sometimes one of the, the greatest miracles in a capitalist society is for people to like give up opportunities to make money or give up money that they've earned. Sometimes I feel like for Americans, that's even a bigger miracle. Like we could pray, Lord, you know, help that person. But if somebody goes and gives more than they, they really have, right, sometimes that's a greater miracle. There's a, there's a guy I know in town who's a professor at UTEP, Dr. Gonzalez, who is a, an engineer and who used his engineering skill to launch a nonprofit. He, he found a way to make low-cost artificial limbs and rather than seeking to make money off of it, essentially started a nonprofit to help people in the developing world receive limbs that can't afford them. And often those limbs are provided through local churches where people give their time and ability to be trained and to uh, support these folks that have lost limbs. And because it's a lengthy process. It's not just, it's not just a day. There's, there's a whole group of things that go into it. And listen, I think that is miraculous as well. I think it is miraculous to have somebody that's like, I choose to not make money where I could for myself and instead to give. I think it's miraculous that people in these churches are saying we wanna help meet the needs of our community. I think those things are miraculous. And I think those things too testify to Jesus and his coming kingdom. Because in those moments, we act like Jesus is king, not the stuff around us. We act like we're part of his kingdom, not the kingdom around us. And in those ways, we glimpse Jesus and his kingdom. So what's the point? The point is that Jesus works through our work. And sometimes that work is miraculous. And we should, listen, we should pray for the miraculous, pray for God to advance the gospel in power. And sometimes that work is very, very mundane. 
And yet in both, the kingdom of God and the kingship of Jesus should shine through the church. All right, last here, I wanna take just a, a closing moment here and do an excursus, a little bit of an excursus about what, answering the question, what about healing and unanswered prayers? The reality, guys, is this. Every person in this room has probably, I'm not even gonna say probably, every person in this room, I am sure, has prayed for someone to be healed of something and they have not been healed. And so when we read passages like this, I think we have a, two things going on in our hearts because one of them is, yes, we believe, we believe Jesus has all power and authority. And yet in the back of our mind, we think, but what about that? What about that prayer that I prayed and they didn't get better? What about that persistent health issue we continue to pray for and they didn't get better? How do we think about that? In the New Testament, there's evidence that sometimes God does give gifts like this. Now, it doesn't seem like in the New Testament these kinds of gifts are every single day in the church, but they are there. And, and sometimes some people can be gifted by the Lord to pray for people. They have, a, they have a time where they consistently pray for people and God works through them. But it doesn't, again, it doesn't happen all the time. So how do we, how do we think about these unanswered prayers? Well, a few years ago, I was at a conference and I heard a message from a pastor named Tope Koloshua, who's an African pastor ministering in London, where he pointed out that there are three answers that God gives when believers pray for healing. The first answer is yes, right now. Yes, right now. So in a moment, God does give a gift of healing. The church is encouraged to pray for. The church is called to pray for this. Um, listen, I am... I default skeptical, which I think is one of the like, great ironies of me being a pastor, right? I don't like default to being like, oh, I'm sure you did get healed, that's great. I default to thinking, yeah, probably not. Have you heard about placebos and stuff like that? Like you think you get better and then you end up getting better, yeah. And, and so a few years ago, I was at the conference where they, this guy, Topi Koshu, was preaching and they have, a, I know they're gonna have a time at the end of the conference where they're gonna pray for people that have health issues. And at that time, I was having like this intestinal issue and some stomach problems and issues and pain. And uh, I was about to go in, follow up with the doctor and get assigned like a whole battery of tests to investigate this. And so um, as I'm listening to him, I'm thinking this is helpful, et cetera, et cetera. And then they have a time of prayer and I'm like not really wanting to raise my hand because I'm like, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna raise my hand. I'm gonna get prayed for. I'm not gonna get healed. You know, that's the way it's gonna go. Yes, I'm a pastor. And sometimes I have those thoughts too. And so one of the guys I was with kind of elbows me like, are you gonna raise your hand? Or am I gonna raise my hand for you? And so I like raise my hand. And now listen, we believe God can give senses and impressions and, and we thank God for that. All of that has to be governed over and by the word of God. Like our feelings of what God may be saying are not a substitute for the Bible. If you ever have a sense you're supposed to contradict the Bible, that's not God you're hearing from. And so in the moment though, I felt like God impressed on my, my heart um, this. I felt the impressed, I'm going to heal you because of your unbelief. Like rather than healing me because of my faith, it's like, I don't really believe this can happen. And the Lord's like, I'm gonna heal you because of my unbelief. And so I prayed, it felt like the presence of God was there. The next day I'm, I'm leaving to go back home and I get more sick than I have ever been on an airplane. I have like horrible nausea and all kinds of stuff. And I get wheeled off the plane in a wheelchair. Jen takes me to the ER to get checked out and get fluids and stuff. And I'm thinking that was the weirdest prayer answer ever. And then as I'm recovering from that, it was like three or four days later that I realized I haven't had any of those stomach symptoms. I have no idea what, like, 
I haven't even thought about it for like three days. And so then I go to the doctor two weeks later, and they're asking me about all the symptoms, and they're ticking through. And at the end, they kind of close the book, and they say, well, listen, I mean, we could do a bunch of tests, but it sounds like, and I don't know how, but it sounds like your symptoms are gone, and you don't need them, and if they come back, we'll do the tests. And I'm like, no, but shouldn't you do some tests to be safe? And they're like, I don't know what we would test at this point. I mean, we don't have anything. You're not having any symptoms to test, so like, I don't know what you want. You just really want a colonoscopy? We can do that, but... Um, and, and so the Lord, in that moment, I think helped, helped rebuke me to be able to preach this message to say, yes, the Lord does heal. He does heal in miraculous ways. In the first service, somebody shared with me just two weeks ago, I had a family member with significant nerve pain. They couldn't, were unable to move their arm without severe nerve pain. And two weeks ago, they prayed, and in, out of 100 times that they prayed before, this time they prayed, and they could move their arm afterwards. Like, God does this stuff. He does. Sometimes the answer is yes right now. Second, amen. Second, Sometimes the answer is yes, gradually. Sometimes God doesn't heal in the moment, but gradually. Sometimes you pray for somebody and it gets a little better and you keep praying and it gets a little better. Sometimes that happens. Or sometimes God can work through the natural means of doctors and medicine or the body's own healing process. And listen, I heard a pastor say, well, that's not really answers to prayers for healing if you know, your body just heals itself. Listen, man, here's the reality. God is the only one keeping our hearts pumping and our synapses firing and our gravity from working and our atoms staying together. And so every moment that the universe does not descend into chaos is a moment in which the sustaining grace of God is at work. Every illness in, that does not lead to another illness, to another illness, to another illness, to a funeral is a moment in which the sustaining grace of God has been at work. And so... I was reminded of this recently, a couple months ago, I was in a car accident, I got a concussion, I prayed for healing, and I have not totally been healed yet. But every day, I get a little bit better, and so I thank God for that. Every moment my brain works, I think that's good. That's a good moment. Right now, it's working. So, oh, some people may judge differently, but it seems to be working near capacity. I'm working with what I have. Sometimes God heals gradually, whether it's through a supernatural moment or a doctor who's been trained by God's sustaining common grace, we rejoice in it. Third, sometimes the answer is yes, not now, but fully in eternity. Look, the, the reality is this man could, could have broken his leg again. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. He was leaping a lot. So, and if, listen, this is reality. If this man lives long enough or lived long enough, he would get old and he would probably not be able to walk again. The reality is that leaping in this story is a foretaste of the coming future kingdom of God, a foretaste of the day when Jesus would reign fully and in power, when he would never stop leaping. See, for all those of us in Christ, an unanswered prayer for healing is not no, it is not yet, but one day and fully for eternity. Listen, this is, that's the reality. When our prayers do not get answered in the way that we want, it can feel devastating. And I'm not trying to remove the sting of that. There is a sting that comes from living in a sinful and broken world. But Jesus, this, is, this is how much Jesus loves us. Jesus loved us so much that he died, he laid down his life to purchase an eternal future and hope 
free from the wreckage and the ruinous effects of sin, to purchase a place that one day we will be untouched by cancer and ailment and depression and autism. One day. And listen, the power of God in this moment, in this healing, is giving a glimpse, just a glimpse, just a moment, but a true glimpse, a true moment, a true foreshadowing of the coming kingdom of Jesus that he will one day bring fully and in power. And listen, remember that the, the point. This is the point to Jesus. And so, friends, the difficulty is that sometimes, at times, God decides in his purposes that the way that we will point to Jesus is not in experiencing a miraculous healing, but enduring and suffering well with hope, holding on to the glimpse of the kingdom of God that we receive in Christ. Listen, I think one of the greatest experiences of, of foreshadowing the coming kingdom that Christians can be in our world today is that we can be the people that feel and see all at once the ruinous, destructive effects of sin and yet refuse to lose heart because we know that one day every symptom will be cured. One day every lame person in Christ will be restored. Every blind person in Christ will see. And we hold on. And as we hold on, we testify something miraculous to the world around us. So what's the point? The point is this, if I could wrap it up this way, that we should go out seeing needs. We should be the people who see the needy and the marginalized and the ignored. Listen, the American dream has no room for people who are disabled for people who are depressed, for people whose kids are perfect but have learning disabilities, for people who are on their fourth marriages, for people who can't seem to shake their addiction, for people who can't hold down a job. The American dream doesn't have room for people like that and their vision of a perfect family and two and a half kids and a white picket fence, but, but the kingdom of God has room for all of them and more. Right? See, Peter and John did not just go to the well-to-do and the wealthy of their day. They stopped for a man who had nothing to offer the kingdom of God but his need. And through him, Jesus extended an invitation to this man, join my kingdom. And we're to see the people around us that way. And we're to see those needs and yet be confident that somebody burdened by addiction is no match for the power of Jesus. That a marriage on the rocks is no match for the power of Jesus. That any pattern of sin is no match for the power of Jesus. We're to go in confidence. And then we're to ask Jesus to move. And we're to ask Jesus, Lord, do you want me to move and help meet that need? <laughs> Lord, you meet that need. Lord, do you want me to help meet that need? That's how we are to go. Hope in God. We're so glad that you tuned in today to Better News Radio. 
Pastor Ricky Alcantad has been teaching from the Book of Acts in this What Jesus Did Next series, detailing how Jesus' ministry continued long after he returned to his Father. Jesus' legacy continues today in you as you shine his light into the darkness of this world. We hope that you've been encouraged by what you heard today. If you have any questions or would like more information about Better News Radio, please give us a call at 915-562-7100. Let us know too how we can be praying for you. That phone number again is 915-562-7100. Or you can email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. We'd like to invite you to visit our website too, betternewsradio.com. There you can listen to today's message again or search through our archive of previous teachings by Pastor Ricky. Subscribe to our podcast to receive the latest messages as soon as they're available. While you're at our website, be sure to check out Pastor Ricky's introduction video telling you about the gospel message and why it's vital for the world today. Explore all that and more at betternewsradio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. We pray that you continue to look for God's hand in your life every day and rely on Him to guide your steps with love and grace. We're praying for you frequently. Thanks for tuning in today. And be sure to join us again for more from God's Word right here on Better News Radio. Open God, oh my soul.